0: Pray with me if you would, Father. We offer ourselves to you right now, and ask, Lord, that you would come into this place in a way that that you teach us, that you uh, reveal to us who you are, that you you increase our desire to know you, and to be ready as we keep watch. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are two weeks into a Bible study on Wednesday night. It's called The Second Advent. It's looking at the second coming of Jesus. Uh, I've been having fun with this class. I mean, it's, it's challenging me. I, I think we're having good discussion and all that, but we're looking at, at all kinds of things. This is the, the season where so many of our scriptures that we read on Sunday have to do with that event and what happened surrounding it. Uh, did you notice that? Three out of the four scriptures that we had this morning deal directly with that event, yeah, they did um, uh, we're going to talk about the foolish and the wise virgins or some translations say the smart and the silly okay so we're going to talk about that and, and and what that had to do, but I encourage you if you have interest. One of the things that's coming out in the teaching today is Jesus said he wants us to know about this stuff. So I encourage you, if you're free on Wednesday nights, come out. Um, Christians believe that Jesus is coming back. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you're not sure what you're, you're thinking about this, maybe you're thinking, hey, I, I just came this morning trying to get a, you know, kind of a Jesus loves you and, 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 uh, maybe what to do, you know, don't lie and, and I'll go home. And why are we talking about his, his coming back? This is one of those things that Jesus said that we need to wrestle with because it's true and Christians believe that this is true. Uh, it's not just that he's left the planet. He's coming back and we got to be ready. Uh, we have very good reason to believe that he's coming back. First of all, he said he was coming back and if he can predict his own death and resurrection and then do it, I'm gonna to listen to him when he says I'm coming back. Okay, he was right about the other stuff. Another good reason to believe this is there were prophets that hundreds of years before Jesus came, some of them even a thousand, fifteen hundred years or more before Jesus came, Told what it would be like when he came. Where he would be born. That he'd live in Egypt. So that How he'd uh, grow up. Some of the things that he'd do. How he'd be beaten. How he would be killed and that he would be raised three days later. They were right. History shows it. If they were right about that, maybe we should listen to them about what they say about what he's going to do when he comes back. Stands to reason, right? Now, in the Scriptures, one of the most talked about themes is just what it said in Amos, our, our reading from Amos today. It talks about the day of the Lord. Did you know, how, how many different documents are bound together in the book we call the Bible? It's How many different separate documents are there? Sixty-six. How many of them talk about the day of the Lord in one way or another? Sixty-five. 65 out of 66 is a pretty good batting average. If you can get that, you'll make millions in the in uh, baseball, right? 65 out of 66 talk about this event. This is a big deal. It's not just, by the way, when it talks about the day of the Lord, it's not just one day. It's, it's you know, it's using the word the day like, sometimes we use the word and say, well, one day, you know, you'll you're going to get married. You know, it's... One day, you're going to know what it is to have children or grandchildren. So we're not talking about just one day. It's just using that, like, say, there's a time coming, right? Now, in Matthew 24, the disciples are with Jesus. And Jesus has been saying some things about what's going to happen and and the things he's going to do. And, and they ask him a question and say, when is this stuff going to happen? Tell us more about it. What's, how are we going to know you're about to do all this stuff? And he spends the next two chapters talking about it. He gives them some, uh, some pretty emphatic and, and clear things. One of the things he said was, nobody knows exactly except God the Father. But he did say, there are going to be some things going on so that you know it's the season. You're going to know when it's getting close. Uh, he tells them what to look for. And part of what he does is he tells them five parables, five little stories to make the point uh, of being ready. And they all have these five things that you find in Matthew 24 and 25. And by the way, this parable is the third one in it. But all five of them focus on uh, don't be taken by surprise when he comes back. You shouldn't, this shouldn't be a complete surprise to you. You should be ready. And the other point that all five of them make to some degree is be doing what you're supposed to be doing when he comes back. So don't be surprised and be doing what you should be doing. That's a theme in my house. We have teenagers. When we come back, don't be surprised and be doing what you should be doing, right? Right? So this is number three. It it has both of those elements in it. So let's look at what it says. Jesus is talking. And he's, he's talking about when he returns. And, and the day of the Lord. And all of those things are going on. And he tells this little story. He says, at that time. At what time? When he comes, when he comes back. Okay, at that time, the kingdom of heaven... What does that mean? God's rule and reign. At that time, the way that God is unfolding things is going to look like this. There, it's like, imagine ten virgins. Imagine ten young ladies who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish or silly and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but they didn't take any oil with them. Now, first of all, you don't have to know anything about the culture and what they were doing and what weddings were like at the time and why you have virgins with lamps. And You don't need to know any of that. Already, you should be going, huh? Why would they go out with lamps that had no oil? Right? You don't even need to know anything else. They took their lamps, where they didn't take any oil. It's like they took their flashlights. They didn't take any batteries. The wise, however, put batteries in their flashlights along and took them along. Now, you can answer important questions already, even if you've never studied Jewish culture. Let's go back they go out to meet the bridegroom did they have any reason to expect that the groom is coming soon yeah yeah they i mean you already know that right they knew that sometime soon i mean let's get ready bridegrooms coming for for whatever cultural reason it is they need to have their lamps so they did know yeah um, what did they have to do to be ready? Pardon? Trim their lamps. W- trim their lamps. What, do, what does that mean? That's like trimming the tree, isn't it? No. What? Oh, yeah, it's just making sure it's ready to be used. When you trim your Christmas tree, you're not really taking scissors and giving it a haircut, you're putting all the stuff on it. You're getting it ready, right? When you're trimming the lamp, you're getting it ready to use. So they had to have their lamps. They had to have oil so that they can light their lamps, right? So you already know enough. The point is already made that Jesus has been telling them over and over already through these two chapters. You will know the season that he's coming back. Or you should. And you should get ready for it. Be prepared. That point is already made. Now we're going to start looking at consequences. Verse 5. The bridegroom wasn't a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Did it take longer than they expected? Yeah. Did only the foolish ones fall asleep? No. Everybody did. This was a long time. That doesn't mean you're off the hook for being ready, does it? At midnight, the cry rang out. Hey, here's the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. Was the bridegroom with them? No. No. Was he in sight? No. Yes. He was in sight to somebody. Yeah. So, so he's it, he wasn't there, but he was getting close. Then all the virgins woke up and they trimmed their lamps. They got them ready. They started saying, "Okay, you know, let's pour oil and all that." Except there was a problem with five of them, wasn't there? The foolish ones said to the wise, hey, um, can I have some of your oil? Our lamps are going out. Why were their lamps going out? They didn't plan ahead. They didn't bring any extra. The smart ones said, no. (laughs) They replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. So instead, you go to those who sell oil, buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. Were they going out to do a good thing? Yeah? What's the problem? Too late. Too late. They hadn't already done it. Now the virgins who were ready went in with the bridegroom to the wedding banquet. Party. The door was shut. Later the others came. Do you think they came with oil in their lamps? Think their lamps were burning? Oh yeah. Sir! Knock, 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 knock. Hey! Hey! Door's locked! Hey! Open the door for us. But he replied. Who replied? The bridegroom replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Now, today, they wouldn't have been invited to be part of the wedding party if they were total strangers, okay? Today, he might say something like, I don't get you. I thought you'd be there for me. I thought you were my friends. That's kind of the sense of what he's saying. And then Jesus says, Therefore, and he's looking the disciples in the eye, I just imagine this, he says, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Do you think Jesus is serious about it? I do. I do. There are consequences for not being responsible, for not being ready when Jesus comes back. So what are our responsibilities as Christians? Now, if you're not a Christian, if you're kind of trying to figure all this out, you're off the hook today. All right? You can just listen in and and hear, hear us Christians talk about this for a moment. But you're off the hook, so you can lean back and, and take it easy. What are our responsibilities as Christians? Now, we just had the the annual synod in our diocese. That means that um, uh, we have a bishop in over the churches in this area, over the Anglican churches, and uh, there are 44, 45 of them. We all get together and have a, a business meeting and worship time and all that together once a year. That was this past weekend. Uh, so our bishop, Bishop Neal, and all the speakers at the synod, that were there and they were teaching classes and workshops, let me tell you what, they were blunt and honest and loving in the things that they told us, but they were straight up with us, I believe. They were saying things like this. They were reminding us, our culture is a post-Christian culture. This culture is no longer a Christian culture. It's no longer geared and built around those things that Christians value. Those days are gone. If if you're a Christian and you are not determined to push against the flow of culture, you're going to be swept away. It is no longer easy. You can't just tread water anymore. If you're treading water, you're treading water in a river. And the river is pushing you where you do not want to go. You have to swim against the flow. You have to be aggressive and active against the push of culture. They they put it this way. They said, you have to live like you're a missionary to be a Christian in this culture. All of us. You have to live like you're a missionary. And you have to raise your kids and your grandkids to be missionaries. Like you were sending them off to Botswana. But you're not. You're you're sending them off to school. You're sending them off to play dates. You're sending them off to other things in a culture that's going to sweep them away if they're not prepared. The flow is against us, and if we aren't aggressively advancing, we're beaten into a retreat. That was one of the messages that we got this weekend. Um, In Genesis, Adam and Eve were made stewards of the planet. They were in charge of it. uh, And they blew it. In Jesus, you and I, if you're a Christian, have once again been entrusted with the stewardship of the planet. But this time we're doing it with his power and his help and his guidance and direction. We have a secret weapon. The Lord is always with us. And he will never forsake us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Right? It's time, church, to heed the teaching of Jesus. We are closer now to his return than we ever have been. Guess what? When you wake up in the morning, you're going to be closer to his return than you are today. Agreed? It only makes sense, right? How close are we? We've been talking about that in this class on Wednesday nights. The best answer that I can give you as a whole is it's getting suspicious that the things that Jesus was talking about looking for, that you can see him going on. So I don't think we're we're at a point where he's right at the door. I'll tell you how I feel about it. I think there are people in this room who will be alive when it happens. That's how close I think we are. What I can't tell you, if it's going to be some of you who are in your 70s and 80s that will be alive, or if it's going to be some of you who are 7 and 8 months who are going to be alive. That's what I can't tell you. Don't get caught by surprise is one of the main messages that comes out of today's teaching. Don't be surprised. If you go and look at the things that Jesus said about what was going to be happening, it may make your eyebrows go up a little bit and it should. You shouldn't be caught by surprise. Jesus said it's kinda of like a season, you know. When when do you first when do farmers first plant crops? When do they first plant crops in the year? In the spring, how do you know when it's spring? Gets warmer, longer days, trees are budding. That's how you know when it's spring, right? Do you know, let's see, today's, we're in November. Do we know what day farmers are going to plant next spring? Is it going to be March 10th or is it February? No, we don't know. But guess what? As it gets closer... It'll get obvious, won't it? Don't be surprised. That's what this is going to be like. Know what season you're in. Take that seriously. You have the opportunity to learn about God and get to know Him. You have the opportunity to make disciples. You have the opportunity to raise children and grandchildren and to pitch in here in a place where we're trying to raise children and grandchildren. To know and love the Lord and know that they're loved by Him and, and what that means and how to build lives around that. Share the gospel. I just want to encourage you, somehow, somehow, share the gospel. And to me, I, I personally, I just don't like, I've never liked the idea that you take a pamphlet and read it to somebody that doesn't want to hear it. I don't think that's what we're called to do. I think we're called to build relationships. I think we're called to be open and honest when we're asked questions. I, I, I think that, that we take initiative to help people think, whoa, well, maybe there is a God and maybe he knows my name and maybe he cares about me and maybe his name is Jesus and maybe. I think we're called to have conversations that lead that direction. Somehow you've got to share the gospel. You've got to spread the way that God wants us to live. It just works better than anything else that's out there. Who can cover for you if you don't do that? Who who can fill your lamp with oil if you aren't ready? Nobody. What are the changes that you need to make? What is it that you need to learn more about? What are you holding back from God? What scares you about God? Or what has offended you about Him? You better get to the root of that. Don't let it be a barrier anymore. Let me tell you what. From His side of it, He loves you unconditionally. He will meet you anytime, anyplace, anywhere, anyhow. And you... You can have those, that relationship with Him that you've heard people talk about. This is a world, folks, that needs God's justice. It needs people that live righteously. It, it needs the gospel. It needs it badly. A week ago, today, a man walked into a church in Sutherland Springs, Texas. You heard about this, right? And, and just started shooting people. He shot 450 rounds into the congregation in this little church in Texas. And they, the, the governor of Texas has asked that today be a day of prayer for them. And so when we pray in a few minutes, pray for them. But also pray for us. Because the world needs what we have. And that thing is just an example of how badly they need it. People are growing up today without the understanding that every person on this planet is made in the image of God and is precious. They are growing up thinking that they are an accident of nature. And that they're... Their actions have no consequences. And it doesn't matter if they take another's life. And it matters. And the world doesn't know it like the church knows it. Y'all, this is our time. They need what we know. There are people who have lost loved ones that need our prayers. They are grieving, but if they're Christians, they don't grieve like a lot of folks. They have hope when they grieve. They have an assurance that this isn't the end. And that matters. People need to know that. We need to raise our children. We need to use the influence that we have with the relationships that God has put us in already around us. To let people know things like life is precious. Like there are other answers besides acting out in violence. That repentance truly is an option. We are supposed to be out there looking for the lost and the least and loving them. I don't know about what was going on in the mind of of the young man that committed that deed. But it makes me ask, how many of these things can we avoid in the future if people who know the Lord will reach out to people that don't and love them and introduce them to the one that made them? Because that changes lives. So much that it's called being born again, it's, it's called being given a brand new life. It's that radical change when you come to know the one that created you. People need to know that God is bigger than any trouble or tragedy that's out there, even what happened in Sutherland Springs. And people need to know this, that God will bring justice to every person on the planet that has ever lived and ever will. And for some, that will make them quake in their boots, and for some, they're like, oh, bring it on. Don't we want justice Don't we? Well, if you're not the one breaking all the rules, you want justice. If you're the one that somebody has stolen from, you want justice. If you're the one that's been beaten up and left by the side of the road, you want justice. And people need to know that God is a God of justice, and so are His people. We're not there to, to be vengeful and mean. We're there to set things right. Let's get busy doing it. Are you doing your part? Or are you looking the other way? Almighty God, who created each one of us, and who loves us so much that He sent Jesus, sent Jesus to say, keep watch. Be ready. Don't get caught unawares. Be doing what you need to be doing. Because you do not know the day or the hour. Church, let's be ready. Amen. For uh, 1,500 years and more, we've been affirming this in the words of the Nicene Creed. So let's stand and affirm that faith together.